Good day, everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. My first guest, I'm pretty sure, let me just think about this. Let me just run through 78 other episodes in my mind, 77. Yeah, I'm sure of it, man. This is my first guest from Australia, my brother from another mother, my, uh, my, just my, my, my friend who I've met recently, who's a go-getter and a doer and works towards greatness every day. He's been keeping me accountable on the Thinking Into Results program we've been doing, and we've been figuring out, mapping out greatness together, just not just a daily, monthly basis, but by a minute-by-minute thing every day. George Akari, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the show, brother. Absolute privilege and amazing, amazing intro, Jake. Thanks, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. It's nice to actually do a podcast with someone that's in the same time zone as me and not have to try and count 16 hours into the past and then figure out where we're at and all this kind of crazy stuff. But this is the first one I really... You set yourself up good. We're doing the hard stuff first. You set yourself up good for a home run, so... Sorry. That's it. it. It's a good way to do. But this is the first um, podcast I've had where we've really talked about going into the subject of health and wellness. George is one of the most, and I've met a lot of personal trainers over the years. I've probably spent, I was thinking the other day, I'm 32 now. I've been in the gym more than half my life. You wouldn't guess, but it is the truth. (laughs) Uh, George is one of the most authentic personal trainers that I genuinely have ever met. Just no bullshit, just straight down the line, tells you how it is, and that is how it is, and that's how he trains his clients. He's been a health, uh, he's been a trainer and a health coach for some time, just an authentic, positive approach. And today, we're going to be uncovering some of those myths of health and wellness and discovering some of George's favorite topics. So, I mean, George, you want to give a bit, a bit of background about what you're doing and how long you've been doing it? I mean, I'm sure you know it far better than I do. Yeah, well, first and foremost, congratulations on the 78 episodes, man. You're cranking them out as well, man. You're going for Godspeed, so good on your congratulations. And I think as far as the personal training and the training aspect of my past is, training probably started officially as in proper training, regimented, programming-wise, and actually getting involved, getting to know the physiology and the food behind it and the recovery process and pretty much the whole the whole element that is health and fitness or health and fitness as they call it these days. But personal training I've been on since 2017. And then before that, started out at a CrossFit gym in 2012 or early 2013. So I was in sort of that extremity, if you want to call it, when it was still in its infancy. Everyone was blowing it up and it was getting big and it was the new it thing to do. And it was a bit full on, which suited my character. So I hit the ground running there for a couple of years. Probably about 2015, trained at a strength slash bodybuilding, sort of more aesthetic place, but really, really top end, high quality. It's called Clean Health. Probably one of the best places you could train in Sydney at the time. Learned a lot there. Very different to what I was doing before, which was heaps of volume, really cardiovascular based, 20 minutes, half an hour, nonstop moving, big moves. This was a lot more detailed, a lot more personal programming as well. And then the transition just went from there, from strength to strength, to the top trainer to top trainer. And then the trainer I had after clean health, I actually brought it up that I'm thinking about becoming a personal trainer. I love this. love helping people. I love people. What do you think? And he was like, just hit this guy. Don't even think about it. Just get into it right now. And I'm like, I don't think I know enough. And he's like, you'll learn. So I don't think I've been doing this enough. It's like, you're already good to go right now in comparison to a lot of people that are already in the industry. So mm-hmm. don't overthink it. Get into it. Everything will come. Then I just done my course online. And I think 2016, yeah, 2016, I started doing it in 2017. I completed it online. Couldn't get a job for about five months anyway, four months anyway, where there was a group training fitness first, anytime fitness sort of thing. And then November 2017, started at fitness first in the Sydney CBD, which was like one of the, I probably say it was one of the top gyms in the city at the time. Obviously now with the way that the world is, it climate of the world to be quiet there. But when I got there, booming gym, very corporate, high intensity, high stress environment, a lot of corporate people, stressed all day, coming in for a workout, learn about efficiency, 
stress management, a little bit deeper about nutrition, recovery, and everything else. Before you know it, fast forward on the hunger to the hustle podcast, man. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. And then you know, one thing I've I've learned about you, George, in the short time we've known each other is you're a high energy person. You know, there's always something going on, uh, and that and that pairs really well, I suppose, with being a personal trainer because. You're, you're lending that energy to other people, particularly at the end of people's work day when they're a little bit low on energy, they're a little bit run down. Like you said, they're working in an environment like the CBD, corporate environment where people are stressed. Um, you know, that can affect your energy levels. So what better job for a person that's just 100 miles an hour all the time than to be a trainer? Yeah. You know, it's actually, it's funny that you say that because when, when, when I was getting into it full time, so the way that it worked at Fitness First, I became a level one trainer. So I was employed by Fitness First for a couple of months. Mm. And then I became sort of run my own business out of the Fitness First. And I was doing all the classes at the Fitness First. So the energy was like there were 20, 30 people in a class sometimes. And it was exactly what you're saying, just like full on. And a lot of people actually told me, mate, you're, you're like in a constant state of stress. I'm like, no, I'm just really happy. I'm really pumped. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you've got shit going on. I'm like, there's nothing going on. Like, they're like, man, you're, you're cranking coffees. You're buzzing all day. You're off your head. You're just going off your nuts. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm just happy and I love this shit. Like, this is where it's at. It got a bit more draining the, the more you do it. Just like you said, if you've got a whole day full of people who actually need coaching, you got to give them detail. you got to educate them at the same time. you got to make sure everyone's logging. What are you eating? How are you feeling? How did your sleep go? Because we give people, or we, I give people like a Google Sheets sort yeah. of thing to have to fill out. And we pretty much monitor all pretty much the basic stuff, energy levels, sleep, food, see what time we're sleeping. People got smartwatches now, how your sleep was or what the app says, a third-party app says your sleep was and stuff like that. So a little bit everywhere, a little bit. In recovery, a little bit in performance, a little bit in sleep, a little bit in nutrition. Next thing you know, someone's 10, 15, 20% better. And then even with the draining part of it, it's probably the most rewarding thing. Because mm. A, I like people. B, with the energy and that stress level, pushing people to find out more of what they can do is probably one of the best things I've experienced, especially yeah. when people are in pain or don't know better and want better. And they've, they've got ABC to follow program, cookie cutter program, or someone who's popular online, or they just come in, go to a cycle class to get the heart rate up, which a lot of the times counterproductive. We'll get into that as we go. But yeah, yeah, the energy. Yeah. It is. It's an interesting, an interesting job, isn't it? It's almost an exchange of energy, and just so rewarding when you see people get results. Because when you when you look good and you feel good, then it's perpetual. You start feeling better, and you start realizing that if I take care of myself like this, I make myself feel better. And you start realizing that you're getting better results because you're getting better results with your physical self, and then that plays out into your relationships and your career. There's just no downside to it unless you overdo it. Or unless you, you know, you you bring things into it to try and help you, you know, that you shouldn't like, you know, the Mexican supplements and stuff like that, which is just a no, no. I was not something I've ever done, um, but you know, some people reach to those extra kind of supplements to to get their gains, and you know, it might do something in the short term, but long term, it's going to have negative effects on on your health for sure. I think. Um, yeah, the, the supplement side of things, like you just said, the supplement side, there's probably like. The last thing on the pyramid, that's probably the last, last thing you should focus on. If you haven't done, I don't want to say if you haven't done everything you can do, but if you haven't put some effort into your foundation of like recovery, sleep, stress management through like mm. as natural as possible, things that you can control and things that you can do pretty much, just logical tools, things that you can do anytime, just a chance to be stressed, relax, get a better sleep and get a better understanding. You're just reaching for supplements all the time. It's like having a broken leg and trying to repair that on all the time. It's only going to get working on the leg, you know what I mean? It's never going to be good. Yeah. For sure. A lot of them you just don't need. I mean, I'll tell you, I bought a pre-workout and you one I had the other day, which is a good one. It's a proper, a, a clean, like a cleanish one, band substance tested. I don't drink coffee, but this stuff didn't really properly. It's got two and a half cups of coffee's worth of caffeine in it, and it, it was too much for me, man. Couldn't sleep that night, and then it rolled on into the next day. It was a hot night anyway, which meant I couldn't sleep well. And then the next session I had, I was like, I don't even need that stuff. Like, if I need a bit of energy, I'll get a cup of green tea. That's got in a bit of a boost in it for me, and that's that's enough. That with a good, strong mindset to just get through the second. 
like sometimes it can be more more than a, a curse and a blessing. I think. Yes, the pre-workouts are a bit hard because a lot of people associate that much feeling they get the tingles or the excessive sweating with heaps more fat burning or heaps more muscle building or I'm getting heaps more work done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, when really physiologically on your body. If you're young, you can probably get away with it. Like you said, you're 32. I'm 36. The last time I had a scoop of pre-workout was probably December, mm -hmm. a week or two before Christmas. Before that, I haven't had it for, I can't even tell you how long. Mm -hmm. I was scratching my, I wanted to scratch my face off. I thought I was on <laughs> awesome. There's a reason I'm not having this shit. There's a reason I stay away from this. And even after, like you're saying, I had a cold shower to try and like further, I depleted myself at the gym. And mm. I had a cold shower to sort of like bring myself back. And mm. I was just like, I'm, I'm still, I'm not on edge, but I don't feel good. Like I want to leave the gym. I want to feel energized. I want to feel good. I almost want to feel what I tell a lot of people is instead of just coming in to smash yourself at the gym, at the park, in your class, whatever you're doing, rather than being, rather than being like aggressively depleted, you want to be calmly depleted. You want to leave and you'll be like, I was in control. I've done what I had to do based on what my body wanted. So mm -hmm. I can feel good. I can move better. I can get a better night's sleep. And the more reward you get in the gym, the more you're going to transition into making a better decision when it's time to eat and when it's time to do that again. Because if you go there and you're like, I'm not getting results. I feel like shit. I've done X lift and deadlift and squats. I say that a lot. People are doing them in a poor, poorly executed manner. And you think to yourself, you're not you're not looking forward to coming back now. It's becoming more of like an obligation. I need to go to the gym because I know it's the right thing to do. But you're mm. not feeling good about it. Whereas if you fix a couple of things, are you going to lift as heavy? Are you going to feel as mental if you're not stretching your face off? You know what? It's not about that. If you're going no. to feel good, everything else will come with it. If you're training strictly to feel to look a certain way, there's no guarantee that you're going to feel good. But if you're training to feel good, get your body moving the way that it wants to move feed yourself and nourish yourself accordingly, mm. then everything that you want to look like is going to come through because you're eating well, you're moving well, you're training well. And it's going to build your self-respect up at the same time. So Yeah. And you're confident. Double -edged, right? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword sometimes because sometimes you do want to go in and someone's just like, I want to smash myself because I'm stressed. I just want to let it all out. When really you're like, stress is really, it's, it's tension. Mm. You know what I mean? You don't want to come in and throw the tension in your body and get into something that's, not good for your hip, your lower back, pushing weight over your head when on a good day, it's not even a good idea mm. sort of thing. But you want to leave calm, relaxed, I've done some work, look at all that, all the areas that you can improve on, slowly, small steps. I'm reading a book at the moment. It's called Tiny Habits. I got it for a Christmas present. But I just, if you can do tiny things everywhere, it just all adds up. You know better than anyone now with the routines that we're doing and stuff, thinking into results and stuff. So... Mm -hmm. a little yeah, bit no. here, a little bit there you can't touch yeah. it all adds up all adds up if you try and do too much at once then you just get overwhelmed and you stop doing it all so but we've got some particular subjects we're going to get into here um george and you know i'll put them out and, and i know a lot of people are looking forward to hearing about them so let's get into the first one which is carbs with your friend tell us more about that subject a lot of people demonize carbs they think too many of them are a bad idea which is probably true but oh look i'll leave it there man you know more than me yeah, so we'll touch, uh, we'll get into nutrition as a whole. Carbs are your friends. I mean, probably over 150, 200 clients that I've worked with, even in lockdown, out of lockdown, in the gym. When we say carbs, we do things up. I mean, proper food carbs, so rice, couscous, breads, stuff like that, that are good for you rather than the whole. A lot of things that personal trainers say in regards to calories in and calories out, which is pretty much the be-all and the end-all of whether you're going to gain weight, lose weight, or maintain around where you're at. And a lot of people are like, the the calories are the only thing that matter. So if you want to have a dairy milk chocolate as your carbs, cut the rice out at lunch, et cetera, et cetera, sort of make up for it that way. I'm not, I'm not going to demonize chocolates and everything else, but the good carbs are probably one of the most beneficial things for you. Everyone loves them to start with, and your body pretty much is built through evolution to have carbohydrates in them. Hmm. So 
it's pretty much a staple and as a whole back to that calories thing if it's if you're trying to lose weight you need to be in a calorie deficit so you need to consume less calories than you burn in a day if you're trying to gain weight gain some muscle you're doing whatever your goal is whatever it may be you need to eat in a calorie surplus to put weight on so a lot of people want to build muscle they're killing their legs and their backs and whatnot you know you want to be eating in excess a to feed that and to grow all your maintenance calories which are pretty much you're not going to gain weight you're not going to lose weight you can enjoy yourself not feel bad about it if you're educated enough to know exactly what you're consuming sort of thing and with that there's pretty much no one diet fits all one sort of food group is better for somebody else which you might hear like keto diet i'm a vegan to lose weight vegetarian pescatarian carnivore mix and match lemon detox diets that are out there and everyone's doing anything and everything to sort of lose weight and cleanse and detox which is like the big thing these days with your nutrition if you're eating a sufficient amount of protein this is this is talking from experience and science back but people will argue the science thing i'm going to go with what i know because it's worked for me and it's worked for a lot of people i've worked with if you prioritize protein which is going to keep you feeling fuller for longer feed your muscles make that your primary micros to hit so for macronutrients if you want to eat whatever your body weight is maybe in kilos you want to go for two grams of protein per kilo of body weight if it's pounds you want to go for one for one and make that your primary and then your carbs and your fats they're pretty much going to be your energy sources and what you're eating to pretty much nourish your body which your body needs it's built around protein carbs and fats so in saying that to work out what your calories are if you are trying to lose weight or gain weight you want to get what your body weight is kilos and if it's in kilos you want to break it down into pounds so i'm 90 kilos that'll be 180 198 pounds i think or give or take a bit yeah about what Yeah, what you'd want to do is take 198 pounds in my case. If you're active, times that by 12, that'll give you the calories where you're at to lose weight. If you're not not so active, you're a bit sedentary, you want to do that times 10, that'll give you a number. And then you want to make the protein your your key target and then the carbs and the fats, you can have fun with them. Enjoy yourself. You want to eat a bit more carbs than fats and fat has a higher calorie calorie count then carbs so per gram of carbs you got 4 grams uh 4 calories and per gram of fat you got 9 calories so if you cut the fat out in avocado and the nuts and stuff have a bit but if you want to have them you probably get double your carbs in that way you can allow yourself to enjoy eating something at night you want to have your cheat meal or you want to have a piece of chocolate you're watching netflix you are out and you ate a piece of cake whatever you don't have to feel guilty about it hmm. and you have to track that's another big thing as well so what we found with a lot of clients who are eating i don't want to say eating healthy because they were eating healthy but yeah. if you're eating healthy monday tuesday give a little bit on wednesday come through thursday have a schnitzel mashed potato with chips and a mushroom sauce it's pretty much gone back on wednesday and tuesday yeah but that's going to transfer into eating something worse than when the weekend comes around i mean if you're human you know what the weekend brings so yeah. well for some yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of us can even enjoy your weekend through lowering what you eat monday to thursday and then on friday i'll go a lot of clients i ate a pizza i had a cheese board with the girls i had wine and what not and they still lose weight mm. so it's as long as you're in that calorie deficit yeah, and you're eating right. and as long as you're eating I want to say a good serving maybe of vegetables along with that so mm-hmm. out of the carbs proteins and fats sort of thing veggies get some fiber in help your digestion i mean really if you're in a calorie deficit you're going to lose if you're want to maintain maintenance weight have fun with it mix and match but education is going to be the key because everybody can say you can eat healthy and we all know these bars in the, that you can buy in the shops that are like protein bars that have 25 grams of fat and you think to yourself this has already got 220 calories from fat 
Then it's got 20 grams of carbs. So you're like, that's an extra 80. I'm eating a 320, 350 calorie healthy bar that's got six grams of protein. It's a little bit counterproductive sort of thing. So if you can get a majority, yeah, if you can get a majority of your food from natural foods, eat, eat your calories, have a bit of a snack here and there, and once you get a bit more familiar and a bit more comfortable with it, your calorie IQ is up, it's a lot easier to eat out. You can, you can eat out and you can tell people, if you're going to go out somewhere, you're going to eat and everyone's going to get pizza and beers, get a burger. You know, a lot of guys are like, I'm going to eat pizza and watch the footy or whatnot. You're like, just get the burger because you're still going to save heaps. Instead of eating pizza, pasta and the garlic bread, get a burger, eat it on full, still have your beers. A lot of the girls, females, especially on weekends, I'm going, I want to eat cheese, I want to eat, I'm going to have some wines with the girls. You're like, enjoy it, have it, but just know what you're consuming. The weekend shouldn't be a reason for you to go back on everything you've done Monday. I'm going to celebrate on the weekend by sabotaging everything I've done Monday to Friday. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it doesn't make sense. You'd never do that. You'd never do that in your work life. Like no. no one would put work in for a deal and then wake up on Saturday. It's no. a huge deal. I'm not going to send an email. He can get F himself. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? People just seem to do And you just end up, you, you like, the, the curve starts to go up and you start doing well. And then you just go back to the start of it and you just, you go around in a loop all the time. Um, I found for me what you said there about keeping a record of what you're eating. That's, I'm, I'm big on that because, that's because it, it makes me a lot more aware of what I'm putting in my body. And then yeah. if I'm weighing the food out, you know, I've got a list of what I've got in the fridge in the cupboards. I know per 100 grams of everything, the protein, the carbs. I know how much I should be taking in per day. And by doing that, I become more aware of what I'm putting in my body. So I'm like, each thing's recorded, and then I hold myself a bit more accountable of it. And then, as you said, your calorie IQ then gets better, and then you can get better looking at food and going, yeah, that, that's 100 grams of chicken. I know in my head that there's about... 30 grams of protein in that and really not many carbs at all. Yeah. It's about, right. Yeah, I think it's like you said there, it's really important to, to write that down and I always have like a specific nice little notepad for it and that's all it was, nothing else in there. Yeah, for sure. I like that system you got there actually, knowing what's in 100 grams and whatnot. Mm. Once, once you do it once, if it's something that you eat that's a very common meal, so a lot of people, they're going to eat the same thing a lot on weekdays. It's not a big deal. Like no one's got a big drama with eating chicken, rice, veggies, and I'm going to go mm -hmm. down the street and get a sandwich or whatever, and knowing what's in it, sort of thing. So even in saying that, if you know, we get a lot of people to use like Calorie King or My Fitness Pal, which mm -hmm. are calorie counting apps, and you can just save your meal. And as soon as you see it, it's with you straight away. Because if you don't know, if you don't know better, you can't do better. Yeah. But if you know, it stays with you. Especially when you say, "I got this banana bread." Well. 680 calories, and then you tell them that's before you put the butter, that's before you put butter in it, that's before you've got the cappuccino that had two sugars. So you're sitting on 900 calories, it's not a good start. No, some of them, apps are yeah, yeah, sorry to go across you, mate. Some of them apps are, um, are great, you can just literally scan the barcode of almost anything in any shop, and it tells you exactly what's in it, like more yeah. than it does on the back of the packet. And some of the things I've done it with and I've gone, oh, I'll put that back on the shelf. I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's an it's a eye-opener. If you don't know better and you're unaware of it, and then once that lets you know calories, if you cut that out or even if you don't want to cut that out, you still want to eat some, at least you know what's in it so you can cut the portion down, still feel better, help yourself. If you always feel bloated, people say, I always feel bloated after dinner because I had such a, such a big meal. And it was pasta and it was bread, chicken and whatnot. But you tell them, you know, if you had half of that, you'd feel better. Your body will thank you for it. And a lot of people that I work with personally who do have uh, some issues, if you want to call them gut issues or I'm bloated, my digestion's not very good. Or when I, when I, at random times, I don't feel hungry for seven hours. You can tell people to keep a food blog. So just to write down what you consume. And when yeah. you're writing it down, it's a lot more powerful than doing it through the calorie king, obviously, because it's gonna be a lot more it's gonna be a lot more at the forefront of your mind. Yeah. And you can pretty much track if you're feeling sometimes I feel lethargic on Tuesdays, and every Tuesday the girls would go 
and eat at a place near my work. She goes, I never feel good when I leave there. A couple of hours later, I'm always bloated. Mm. I said, keep a food log, and then write an hour after it, half an hour to an hour after you've consumed your food, how you feel. I'm a bit lethargic. I'm a bit bloated. I'm a bit energized. I'm feeling up. I'm really on, whatnot. And that way, you'll know what's even good for you past calories, like what's really effective for you nutrition-wise and what's really empowering you through food. So you can build a better relationship with food. Yeah. And that way, that way, not only your calorie IQ is up, but how you're feeling and your IQ of yourself, how your gut health is operating sort of thing. So, Yeah, yeah, for real. I do. Like the value in, in all diaries that you keep, like it's nice to look back at it, look back at it two, three months you know, later and go, okay, this is what I was eating then and this is the result I was getting. You know, it's just a nice thing to look back on, like the ones that I've got from years ago and I like, look at and I think, well, man, what was I eating then and the results I was getting? It's really, really interesting to see, particularly if you're starting new plans or if you've got new goals or if you're doing, like, you know, you're losing, you want to start losing fat again, which a lot of people do this around this time of year. And you might look at your diet you had from a year ago and you know what worked then and it's your body. So it's going to work for you. The time it's going to work for you again. Everyone's, everyone's a little bit different in that. Let's, the, losing, uh, the losing weight thing this time of year, I mean, you, if you talk to somebody who's our age or older than us, like, you know, more wiser than us, eh, they've done it 6, 8, 10, 15, 20 times. People, the, the default resolution, I like to call it, is to get healthy, to get into shape, or to lose weight. And the habits never change. Everyone thinks it's going to wake up on the January the 1st. You know what calories? They're my friend now. I know everything. I'm like, you've done nothing different from yesterday, and you were blind. And this year, it felt on a, on a Friday. New Year's Day was on a Friday. I'll start on Monday. I'm like, already? You're not even going to start on Saturday. You're going to start on Monday already? Yeah. Now there's another 52 reasons for you to start. The next yeah. 52 Mondays are going to be your best friend now. Oh, you know what? I'm still on holidays, so I'll do it next Monday. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to savage yourself in that week. All right, if you're eating decent, it's more of a you're showing yourself respect. You know what I mean? You're holding yourself to a higher standard by eating decent food to help yourself. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy eating a burger. I enjoy a pizza. Pizza is one of my favorite foods. Mm. But I say to myself, I'm going to eat every single day when I leave work. I walk past probably one of the best pizza shops in Sydney. And I instantaneous when I walk out of the door, should I should I order one? So when I get to my car, it's ready. Should I order one? I'm like, I don't, I don't want to live like that. No. I've got food in the fridge. I've made it from yesterday. There's a salmon waiting for me to cook it. I already mm -hmm. know. I'm going to do what's right. The more I do this, the more habitual it's going to become. Yeah. And cutting cutting stuff out of your environment. If you're at home and your, your pantry's got dairy milk, arnots, or screen in the freezer and you're watching Netflix and you want to lose weight, you need to scrap that shit. That's it. You need to get that out of the environment. Yeah. That's it. That's you need to find the better option. Yeah. The reality is if it's not in the house, if it's not in the cupboards, then that's at least an extra step that you have to go out. And I mean the phones don't make it easy because you can just you can literally order anything from any shop now which you know, but I just was like, right, let's go through the cupboard, let's clear everything out um, and for, for this new plan of diet. And if it's not in the house, then at least I know there's a reason I've taken it out of the house and I've got to go to that step of buying it again and, and, and in my mind actually wasting the money on it because, I mean, I don't want to put it in my body. I know it's not going to make me feel good. So and I'm, not, I'm not demonizing it, but I'm just like, I just know if it's there and it's I'm feeling weak, which we humans we get weak sometimes. I'm gonna, I'm more likely to go for it. So if you're not there, yeah, hundred percent. And I've, 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 I deleted my, my home delivery apps. I deleted Uber Eats and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this, this one, this one's too far, man. Like honestly, I live across the road from a Coles to start with. So all, all <laughs> I literally need to do is walk downstairs, open till midnight every night. I just gotta yeah. go down, walk out my door, seventy <laughs> meters to my right. I'm at Coles. There's a fish shop there. There's a butcher there. There's one of the best fruit markets in the center. And I'm like, what am I going to order? Shit. They're going to bring me rubbish. Yeah. It's going to take 15 minutes to get here. And the only thing I'm going to order that's good is charcoal chicken. That's my, that's my default food. Like, they're going to get yeah. chicken, potato salad, rice, whatever they've got available. And I think to myself, you know what? I'll feel eggs better. And I'll know. I'll, I'll make it. I'll make sure 
that I know how I feel after I eat certain foods and how I feel about myself after I eat a salmon. I came home, I cooked the salmon, I had a salad, and then I was like, you know what? I'm, I feel good about myself, not just food-wise, nutrition-wise, about me, the decisions I made, knowing I walked past my favourite pizza shop, well, this, this, is, this shit's getting serious. Discipline, you know I mean? discipline, right? Discipline. If you form discipline in one area, then you start to, it starts to spill over into other areas. So you just go in home, skipping the pizza shop, and then you go in home, you deleted the app, so you're not thinking, oh, you know, I'm not going to flip up there. And then next yeah. thing you know, that discipline works on something else, and it, it's just a, a skill, a attribute, and then you can apply it to anything. We've got yeah. uh, Angela, Angela Bennett here is on the side. I'll pop this up on the screen. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. And nothing more applies to than food preparation. It is like that's got, probably, that's, that probably applies more to food and nutrition because. That's probably what you do every single day, numerous times. You know you're going to eat something. So even snack-wise, if you've got it around the house, healthy snacks, and just munch on them, even if you're eating them non-stop, carrots, celery, good stuff, low-calorie biscuits and stuff like that, not only is it going to be better for you, you know next time it comes to make a bad decision or when you've got the option to make A, B, or C, you'll be like, I've been putting in so much work. I think Vince Lombardi said one of the best ones, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. So if you're working really hard, you're not going to come in, you'll be like, you know what, George killed me on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And one of my clients actually told me, she said to me, she's like, George, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even think about eating the ice cream because <laughs> I'm going to die three times this week. So I put the hot water on the ice cream and I was like, you are peaking. I'm yeah. like, watch the video of her burning, not burning the ice cream, melting the ice cream with hot water. And she's like, yeah. this is the end of Ben and Jerry's in my freezer. And I was like, Wow, this is huge because she used to be a bit larger as well. She lost mm. 17 kilos. And wow, then she was like, and she's like, my back pain has subsided. My yeah. foot feels better. She had, a, she had a couple of injuries as well. But the weight came off and it was it was more of a my whole body is liberated. My mind feels free. Mm. And I feel so much more empowered. She was yeah. like, I didn't even want it. I just thought to myself, when I was on the assault bike, all those sprints that you've done, I had it on 10, 10 seconds on, 50 seconds off on the assault bike. It, yeah. it, man, the, the name is very appropriate. It's a brutal bike. It's assault. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. And she yeah. done that. And she goes, I told her, I'm like, this, you haven't even burnt off a fun-sized chocolate yet, like a Cadbury's favourite chocolate. Yeah, yeah. So the next sprint, the next sprint will get you past the Cadbury's chocolate. And then she done it, and I, I put up a photo on my phone. I'm like, you ate three of these chocolates. You just burnt three of these chocolates. Right. Three of these little chocolates that you could eat 50 of in a sitting, three yeah. of these, you know, like, was it worth it? And she's like, George, I'm in agony. I can't, she couldn't talk. After, this is after five minutes, ten minutes, and she got a breath. Like, she's like, that's, that's the brutal machine I've ever used. And I yeah. said, next week we're going to use the ski. It's like the upright roller. Yeah, yeah, another machine. Like, yeah, I was like, next week we're going to use that. It, there's levels. It gets worse. And then we're going to do the assault bike with the ski erg, with the assault bike, with the ski erg. It's just like, you've gone mad. I'm like, the world's gone mad. Uh, yeah, just That's embrace it. it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> For sure. But it definitely, it definitely, makes more, definitely makes you apes more aware with the um, the harder you work sort of thing because if you are eating very well, and when I say very well, a lot of people are under eating, thinking that they're eating, oh, if I eat 900 calories, what will happen is I'll drop dramatic amounts of fat. That's not how it works because your body goes into survival mode. So your body, your, your, part of your body knows for the sake of survival and to have energy, I'm not getting much coming in, so I can't really burn what's internally stored. I've got to maximize and hold on to this as long as I can. And you could do all the exercises. You could do all the water cleansing you want and everything else. At the end of the day, your body knows exactly what it has to do. There's no hack. There's no bullshit way around this. I'm going to shock my body. I'm like, shock your body in the gym, maybe. But you're not going to shock millions of years of evolution. No, evolution. People don't understand that. Like, we, as, like, and it, this hasn't been that long. We're talking like two, three hundred, three hundred fifty 350 years ago. Okay, maybe a little bit longer than that, 400 years ago. People used to hunt 
and gather as tribes and, and you'd, they'd find a source of food and they, that would be them. They'd have food for three, maybe two or three days and then they might grow that same amount of days, if not longer, without food. It's only like the past two, three hundred years that we've had food on demand whenever we want, whenever we want and where, like, wherever we want as well. Just, you just get it from a device in your hand and that the body will store, will store that fat. It stores that fat and, and uses it as energy because it knows that it thinks that there's going to be a gap in time you know, so like you say, that's millions of years of evolution, and um, you can't underrate and think you're gonna you're gonna lose that or like that. No, you can't. Just to elaborate a little bit on that as well, based on what you just said a couple of hundred years ago, your your mind knew it might be a while, it might be a while before I've got food. So, like the reptile part of your brain automatically wants the high calorie stuff because calories are energy, and that's how it's gonna survive. How much calories can I consume? If I can have this chocolate or this bar and it's got 500 calories, part of you is going to be like, go for the 500 calories. That's all it knows. It doesn't know that it's got 8, 10, 15 chemicals. It's bad for your digestion and it's going to make you feel like shit. It just wants, how many calories can I get? Get it right now because your brain just wants to preserve energy. And by default, especially with all the options that we have available to us now in like in Australia and the Western world sort of thing, it's the shit's going mad. There's endless options. That's why people, a lot of us are where we are. We, it's, this is healthy. This is not healthy. Six months later, this came out in a study. This is on the news. This was a lie. This was a scam. And you're like, I'm so overwhelmed. And it's yeah, just, it can be overwhelming. That's why it's, yeah. it's important to pick your source, you know, pick a trainer, pick someone you trust in, and just go with them, go with what they say. Like, don't take all this outside stuff all the time because it just becomes overwhelming. You lose your way with it, and then you become – this 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 way with the whole thing and then you just you just give up because you're like you're just too confused but look oh, let's to the next, um the next one george sorry to cut across your road but i want to keep it moving because i know we've got a lot of cool subjects here um the next one i want to talk about and this is something that i have really tried to get a hold of this time because whenever i've jumped into plants before Work side's not been a problem for me. I've always been a hard worker. I can apply that in the gym. I can go right now. I can go early morning. Whenever it needs to be done, I can fit it into my sometimes very busy schedule. And the food, I can eat plain. I can eat clean. I can eat boring stuff. I can do it for weeks and then it doesn't bother me because I'm eating for performance. I'm eating for results. I'm eating just for fuel. And, like, that's the mindset I have. But one of the parts I found difficult was getting the recovery right making sure I get adequate sleep and winding down and keeping them cortisol levels down, keeping them stress levels down. So I know you wanted to talk about prepping for a good night's sleep and like getting that rest and recovery. Yeah, well, I think the way to sum it up is probably play hard and recover harder because you, you want to stress yourself out sort of thing. You want to tear your muscles up in the gym and – you do sort of you want to accomplish as much as you can in a day, whether it's at work, emails, relationship, community, family, training wise. The food will play a major role in that recovery. But with the sleep itself, a lot of people say, I can get to sleep, but I wake up three times through the night. Or I can't get to sleep, but when I do, hours later, I'm sort of in a good place. But the best way probably to regulate that for a lot of people. Is probably the most simple way. So a lot of people looking at screens, it's probably mm. endless renting. Everyone's probably heard this recently. The screens are killing us and whatnot. I love the screen and I hate the screen. I'm, I'm guilty on both sides. All right, so the simplest thing I can say to people, and this is pretty much as broad as it gets and as easy as it gets, if you can, limit your time on the phone, mostly after it gets late. When, it's, when the sun goes down and it's dark outside, if your brightness on your TV can be down a bit if you're watching TV on your computer, put the brightness down on the screen. But I've been doing a lot of study recently that says what happens through the phone and external light, wherever it's coming from, your brain's taking in signals. Light is always just a signal. And the more colours there are, the more excited you are. You're on Instagram, there's lights coming on, you're in a conversation on WhatsApp. You're actually happy to be there. You're getting a little bit of hits of dopamine here and there. You're feeling good sort of thing. You, that's like even if you don't feel yourself getting up for your mind, it's getting mixed signals. I should be chilled out because what happens when you wake up in the morning, you wake up generally cortisol is being released in your body as a way to wake up. 
that's your stress hormone. Right. And when you wake up, it's sort of telling your body, all right, the sun's up. I generally wake up at about 6, 5.30, 6 o'clock, if that's what time you wake up. And your body gets a signal. I've woken up here, cortisol's come out. And throughout the day, your body, as it gets darker, it'll start releasing melatonin and the cortisol will drop. So ideally, you want your cortisol to be up here through the day and then start dropping. And then you have melatonin start taking over, which is going to help you get to sleep and have a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. And generally, your circadian rhythm dictates that. So what time you wake up, how much light exposure you get in the morning to really set that, that part of your brain to know this is when I'm waking up, this is when I sleep. So throughout the day, the levels can fluctuate accordingly when it comes to sleep. And the, the greatest inhibitor, or one of, in my opinion, for the way that we live now, is 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night when your mind is like, your, your body's getting all the signals that I should be getting ready for a deep sleep or in a sleep and getting ready to go deep. I'm on the phone, it's getting mixed signals, it's just the brain, the body's not going to really go into where it needs to to maximise that recovery. And mm. what you'll find is a lot of people, when they wake up after that, they're still a bit lethargic for a while. I need a coffee. I need a caffeine ASAP. I don't feel yeah. good. It takes me a few hours to get up even after I had my coffee. That's a sign of poor sleep. Mm. So the best way to regulate that, try if you can to wake up at a consistent time or around about in the morning. One of the things is probably get sunlight. If you can, don't look directly at the sun, but just to set that tone so your mind knows. So you set, it's like pro- computer programming. Your brain's the greatest computer. It needs some programming. And it's always, always, always working. It's always assessing. So if you wake up, get some sun, that's sending signals. All right, I'm just getting some light. It might be five or ten minutes. Your mind will know. This is the good kind of light that I need. I'm really on. As the night goes on, your body will start relaxing. Try to keep, if you can, through your plan. If you know you're going to get a better 11, I'm going to read a book at 10. I'm going to try to relax a little bit. Or maybe I'll have a shower or a bath at 10. Candlelight is okay. It doesn't really affect you much. Put mm-hmm. some candles on, put some scents, read a book, try to chill out. Do some breathing exercises. Headspace is a good app. There's a lot of apps, right? A lot of, a lot of apps. There's a lot of studies out there, like even just deep breathing, trying to calm yourself down. I'd say to the point of a lot of clients of mine, even when they have a shower, for the last thirty seconds or a minute, to crank just the cold water, because that cools your body down a little bit. So that helps you sleep, and it's, mm. it's actually. You want to sleep in a bit more of a colder environment than warm. I know it sounds a bit of a contradiction to what we used to because we want to be nice and warm in bed, but the body will sleep best at like a cooler temperature. Yeah. So I told people when you have a shower, like after I put the kids to bed or I get home at nine, I have a shower at 10. So maybe just 30 seconds to a minute of cold water, breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth, being in control or breathing in through your nose, holding your breath for a couple of seconds, and breathing out just to really get that physiology working for you. And as soon as that cold water goes off, it further it drops your stress levels. So as soon as the cold water comes on, your body's like, this is really cold, I've got to fight it. You control yourself with the breathing, and it deregulates your stress. So as soon as the water's finished, as soon as the cold water's over and the threat's over, you're feeling really good. You're like, it's over, I'm calm. Wipe yourself down. You're already a bit chilled. You've done some breathing exercises. No TV, read a book, prep for the day tomorrow, plan ahead, maybe get lost in your head, in your imagination, not your mind. And don't think so much about how to fail today and yesterday and last week and I'm living off memory. And that way you'll regulate those those systems in your mind and A, your sleep will get better. And I'm not going to go too deep into sleep, but sleep is pretty much like the epicenter of how you're going to perform the next day. Because we all know if you've got one good night's sleep, you wake up, I'm feeling good. Shit, I'm on. I'm feeling mad. You're talking mm-hmm. to people. You're walking fast. You're on. I'm going to do ABC before I even get to work. And yeah. other days you wake up, you're like, I feel like shit. I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. i got a bit of a headache, actually, because I had a coffee at 6 o'clock at night. I know I shouldn't have had that. And then I was on the phone at 11.30, mm-hmm. and I was playing whatever games, 12 o'clock, and you're like, it's 
it's getting out of control. You're getting too much mixed signals from the body. So, mm. what do you think about like eating before sleep? What would you say is like? Would you say like there's a certain cut off time to have your last meal before you go to sleep? Uh, ideally, I'd say I tell most people have about ninety minutes if you can, an hour to ninety minutes. Yeah. Of just clean, have some water, just let your body digest because that way it doesn't have to do as much. Now, generally, an hour. But, I mean, if someone says, oh, I've got to bed at 12 o'clock, you really shouldn't even be eating at 11. There's nothing really counterproductive to it. If you've under-eaten, you got home late, one day here and there, two days, it's not going to be bad. But if you're in a routine of sometimes I wake up at 6.30 and I have a big breakfast at 7, and that night I'm eating whatever I get home, 10.40, and I went to bed at 11 o'clock, it's probably not ideal for your body. Plus, there's a lot of studies that I've read recently as well that say, the best for food consumption would be to have a routine. So if you eat your meals maybe from a set time, so from like 9 a.m. to 8 p or 9 p.m., and if you get everything in there, it's probably going to be healthier for you. Plus, at least that way, you know, you know what, I'm going to get a meal in. Because if you're freestyling everything, you're never really going to hit everything you're trying to get to freestyling. So if you have some sort of routine of, I'll wake up, I'm not going to eat for the first two or three hours. A lot of people think they need to eat breakfast. I need to have something. That's 1990 shit. from that. That's that's history. You can wake up and not eat for the next five hours if you don't want to. Even if you're hungry and you're like, I can hold off. It's no big drama. People are sitting there. I'm going to lose my muscle. This is kind of productive for my cause, whatever that cause is. And nine times out of ten, they haven't even got a cause. Yeah. It's like I need to eat something ASAP. Oh, I'm going to lose. You're not going to lose anything. Just listen to your body, but in an educated way. So a lot of people on this intuitive eating sort of thing, listen to your body. If you're a bit full, you normally eat at 8, but you don't want to, wait till 10. There's no big drama. But if you can fit your meals for 12, 12 hour or 10 hour window, that'll probably be optimal. I think that's one of the, one of the biggest ones, and it's something I've really only tuned into when I got into my thirties really, which was intuition and like listen to what what is my body telling me? You know, when you get that intuition and your body's like, Hey, look, you might be hungry, but you don't actually need to eat right now. You know, are you eating because you're pissed off? Are you eating because you're upset? Are you eating for like emotional reasons? Not because you're actually hungry and you need the fuel. Um and just like dialing into that intuition a bit more and and listening to it instead of just oh, i was going to ask you to turn the lights on <laughs> so going down there Australia, folks. Uh, look a lot better about you can see in your full, full beauty now george but yeah just everyone's everyone's body's different right so you've got to listen to what your body needs and it needs different things at different times and not ignore it because if you ignore it, then you're you're starving it in, in some kind of way, and it, and it's gonna it's gonna bite you back. I think at some point later down the line. Yeah, I want to call it, but on that intuitive side of things, it has to be an educated intuition. Like you have to know what you're feeling and sort of where you're headed. Because a lot of the listen to your body people that are out there now and just eat how you feel. Nine times out of ten. I'm gonna go for probably the most counterproductive food for my cause. And if you said that to a drug, if you said that to a drug addict, listen to your body. They're gonna be doing cocaine and heroin left, right, and center. They're drug addicts. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're an alcoholic, listen. So listen to your heart and go with your heart. Mm. They're gonna be blind 24 hours, seven days a week. They're alcoholics. Mm. It's the same thing for how we're set. If in our habits we're eating, you know, overeating in the morning of the sweets and you always got a sweet tooth it's going to be hard to set the new tone but the same thing like giving up something giving up smoking one of my mates gave up smoking and he's done it i think since four or four and a half months ago even now the guy he can't be around the beat at a pub anywhere he can't think about uh, association yeah around. yeah you can't be in the backyard uh, i can't be on the porch because i know what's going to happen my mind is when you sit there this happens. When you sit on the deck, this generally happens at this time. So it's like, I just go for a walk. But I'm always thinking, well, that'll be beautiful right now to crank one. I'm like, you've been doing it for 17 years in a hole. 
it's going to take some pain, it's going to take some misery to get out of the hole, man. Mm-hmm. especially for something that's proven to be addictive to you sort of thing. So mm-hmm. listen to your body, but more than that, know your body. Really that's get it. to know it. Really, really get to know fall in love with it you know fall in love with your body and your mind like and then once I'm, I'm big on this once you like truly know who you are and what you need and, and give that to yourself then that's only the time that you can like ask love of someone else you know and then that leads to like really good healthy relationships if, if you're not completely knowing who you are and in love with yourself to expect someone else to be able to give that to you and, and you really can't give that out to anyone else in full capacity. But that's a whole other story for a whole other podcast. Let's move on. It's 100% with, with what you said. They're, just, they're really right on that. 100% because if you do think about it from like overall, all your body is trying to do all day, every day, ever since you came into the earth, is to keep you at optimal performance. Every single thing about it is just fighting for you to be in an optimal state. How can I do absolutely everything with what I've got? And the more you sort of restrict good, the harder it is for your body to do that. So why not just nourish it and do everything you can, as much as you can. When it's time to cut loose, cut loose a little bit. If you enjoy it, it's probably worth it. But that level of respect for yourself ultimately will transfer into the next podcast that you just spoke about, the self-love cast. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a good episode, man. Let, oh, yeah, let's... Just, some, just, some, just some takeaways on the sleep side of things. Yeah. So try to minimize your downtime. Try to do something that you enjoy late in the evening if you can. Read, write, whatever your hobbies are sort of thing. Listen to some calming music or have some calming music playing. Scented candles are a good one. A lot of people I know, they're just like, I cranked the lavender candle. The light was dark sort of thing. And a cold shower. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, and then try to have a little bit of a dark environment as well so your body knows it's getting those signals even more so. So the natural light from the day and the darkness at night, so you get a little bit more into that sleep zone so that when you do get into bed, you fall asleep a bit easier and you're in a better sleep. That would yeah. be the take that, That's yeah. probably the simplest thing they can do. Big on that one, you know, and there's these there's devices you can get for your computer now. There's a there's a an app that's actually installed into the back end of most phones. Now you don't even need to in- install anything that turns the blue light down and just has the red light on and it does it automatically with sunset and sunrise. I even see some people that they look crazy when they wear them, but they have the red shades on, so they can't yeah. get any blue light in late at night. Looks a bit extreme, but you know, they're probably sleeping better than ninety-nine percent of people out there. So it's, it's, it goes back to that old that old narrative, you know, do what others aren't so you'll get results like others can't. And that, you know, if, if you're going to go to those, some people might see extreme levels, you are going to get better, extreme, extremely better results, I think. Yeah, but even what's extreme becomes normal down the track. Like once upon a time, us doing this was extreme. These guys are talking to each other, looking at each other on a phone. Once upon a time, someone would have said, I'm going to take this plane for a wrap. And like, what do you mean? Fly. You're going to fly the plane. Like, I'm going off the cliff there later. Shit's extreme, man. It's an extreme world, you know what I mean? So, yeah. But um, I just I just listened to a podcast today, actually. It's funny you said that because he was pretty much just talking about your eyes, your retina, and how mm. it processes blue light, natural screens, and the red light at night and stuff. It was a bit over yeah. my head because he's a PhD neuroscientist specialising in eyes. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to that a few more times. Well, podcast it sounds good, man. Yeah, it's a, it was unbelievable. It's actually, it's um Andrew Haberman. So he started a podcast. He's the he's a neurobiologist, a neuroscience neuro head of neurobiology at Stanford University. Okay. And, um, yeah. He's just the most sort of like PhD. But anyone listening can understand. If you're 15, yeah. you understand this. If you're 80, you're going to understand what this guy's talking about. It's just so simplified. And so easy to understand, and the co- the common sense factor of it is maybe a hundred and fifty percent. Because you think about it when he's talking, and he he gives you explanations, and you you pretty much put it to your life experience, and you can do it right now. Think about today and your energy and your sleep, mm. and then this happens through your eyes and how it processes different colors, and your eyes don't actually see anything; it just sees four or five different kinds of lines. And then your brain processes those lines. And I was just like, 
Hey, man. <laughs> Crazy. It's unbelievable. Hey, look, Angela said on the side, talking about, I thought it was extreme, but there you go. Look, Angela uses the red lenses. Yeah. They are so good for blocking out the blue light, particularly if you get mig migraines. Yeah. Uh, actually, I read, he was talking about, he was talking That's about right. tension, headaches and eye aches and stuff like that for a lot of people regarding those as well. It's funny she said yeah. that. Because he was yeah, talking yeah. about how that sort of calms down the blood flow at the back of the eye and it pretty much calms down the whole brain. I, I can't see yeah. that detail. I'm not saying might, might have to order myself a pair actually. I might even do that tonight. Now we've only got about we've only got about five minutes left, George, and I don't want to rush things, man. I actually think we should do a second episode to cover this um some other stuff because there was some stuff here we didn't get to cover, but perhaps you could jump into one of your 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 favorite things to talk about. And look, I'm happy to run over a little bit past the hour. Um I think anyone who's if you just join this now, please rewind it because there's so much value in this. If you're into your health and wellness, just getting into it, or you just want to learn a little bit about just some little tips and tricks to, to improve your overall picture of health, there's some really good value stuff for you here. But movement is medicine. That just sounds interesting to me, and I, I can kind of guess what it means, George, but like I'll hand it over to you there to talk to us a bit more about that. Yeah, so that's pretty much like my default sort of ethos for a lot of people, especially back when I was working in the city, anyone that wanted to come in and sort of like, I want to do squats with pull-ups and I want to smash myself and I want to get on my bike, really your body was made to move. So back to the old saying, use it or lose it sort of thing, mm -hmm. especially in the world we live in now, a lot of us are rolled forward, we're on our phones, we're on computers, we're holding kids, we're driving, we're sleeping rolled in, we're sitting at a desk for a lot of the time. Instantaneously, your body's pretty much in a position a lot of the day, a lot of the time, it doesn't want to be in. And then a lot of people in the movement patterns they're used to is really suboptimal from like a physical point and a physiological point to help you relieve stress, to sleep better, to actually feel good about moving, getting into the gym. And a lot of things, probably a lot of people, one of the main things I used to tell them was just move. Like don't worry so much about What's the correct exercise? What's my what's the best program? Come on. If you just walk for half an hour with the sun on you, you're doing good because you normally never walk with the sun. All right, now you're gonna pair that with coming here and just getting mobile through the hip opening. You've got pain in your lower back, mm. get your mid-back working, get your core working a bit more. Next thing you know, I'm feeling heaps more free. Come in there and just move. You don't have to get super, this this is the new it workout, this is the new get in there. A lot of people rolled forward, their shoulders are in a state of kyphosis. Get a cable row and just lift your chest up. Open your airways. Have a deep breath out. Breathe in through your nose. You know what I mean? Just, just move. The simplest kind of stuff. And overall, 70 or 80% of injuries that I've come across, people who are injured themselves or lack of movement, lack of mobility, lack of flexibility sort of thing, are pretty much doing counterproductive exercises. So they're trying to load it with more weight. They're trying to do more complex movements when the foundation is not even set. So if you're trying to build a skyscraper on sand, jump into the ocean, man. I don't know what you're doing. You know better. You know, we all know better. So the simplest thing you can do, move. Get your heart rate up a little. You don't have to get your heart rate through the, through the roof. Move a little bit. You've got tight chest. You've got neck pain. Discover a couple of good exercises, simple stretches, simple mobility activation exercises. Get the foundations nailed. Everything else can be built off it. And whatever that movement is, you can want to go on a weekend, walk on the sand at the beach. You know what I mean? Do, do things that are good for you. You like nature? Go for a hike. You like riding bikes? Jump on the bike on the weekend. There's nothing that says you need to go six days a week to the gym. If you're at the gym because you know it's a good place to be but you don't particularly like it, have a dance. Do a dance class. You know what I mean? Just move. That's all you're going to do because the more you're sitting down, the more sedentary you are, the worse it's going to be for your body and the more comfortable it's going to get. And then when it's time for you, as you get older, it's going to be a lot harder for you to move. So I tell a lot of people, especially the older corporates, I had one guy, 58, and he's like, I'll just walk on a treadmill because I know it's good for me. I'm like, yeah, but you've got a lot of things going on. 
what we're going to do is spend the next two weeks, and I train two sessions a week for two weeks. So all we're going to do is get mobile. We're going to open you up. The first one's going to be me just mobilizing. The second one's going to be me mobilizing, you doing a bit of work. Then next week, we're going to get you to do the routine. See how to firm roller, open this back up, work this core a bit, open the hips up a little bit, got his quads open. Next thing you know, 16 kilo kettlebell, squatting, walking lunges, stable on his feet, assisted pull-up machine, cable rows. How you feeling? It's like unbelievable. Hmm. You know, I was the simplest stuff to help you in, in general health. It's not even a muscle building sort of I'm going to go hard at the gym. A lot of people think I'm going to go to the gym. I need to crank myself. I need to be aggressive. I need to make the weirdest face every time I do a rep. I need to make noise. And I can understand how a lot of people are intimidated by that when they come in. There are a lot of fit, strong people who look like they know what they're doing and you're, you're a bit 50-50. It could be overwhelming a little bit. Mm. So that's why I said, look, reach out. I told people, I've given people probably in the thousands maybe the most simple, basic program. And I've just said, don't even train with me. Just do this. Shoot me a text if you've got questions. And you see them later and they're like, man, my sciatic is not there. I've done the hamstring flossing thing. My, my back's unbelievable. My core feels so much stronger. I sleep heaps better. I don't get headaches anymore. People have gotten off blood pressure and type 2 diabetes, stuff like that. And it's just, it's all through moving because your body was designed to move. Like you said, we were hunter-gatherers back in the day. They're That's running, right. they're chasing, they're getting water. Yeah. Nothing changed. You know what I mean? I mean nice. <laughs> yeah. The world changed, but your body needs that. That's how it works better. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you get your heart rate up, you get your blood pressure up, yourself, mm. you're breathing a bit better, your body can work a bit better physiologically, internally. Mm. It'll make you hungry. That way it's got somewhere to put the calories. If you overate calories and you move the world, especially for people that are in pain, if you've got back pain, I get headaches all the time, my knees always hurting, stuff like that. If you're continually doing what got you into that state of pain and you're not addressing the primary the primary cause of it, it's just going to compound and compound. And then over, over time, your body's just going to say, you know what, send signals and let, let the body know this is normal. Let the brain know this is normal. I don't want to live with this pain anymore. And then it's pretty much just like a surrender from the body. Hmm. So you might as well just get in there, move, hold the bottom of this position, have a breath out, rotate, get the spine moving, extend the spine, get the quads on, let the hammies and the glutes do some work. Simple. You're stressed today? No worries. You're going to go for a 20-minute bike ride. The most simple stuff that you can do, keep it super simple. You're at home, everyone's in lockdown, a lot of people can't leave the house. You're like, you know what? Do A, B, C, stretch complex. Do some push-ups any which way you can. You can't do them off the floor. Do them on the wall. Just hold yourself up. Let your body just work. Just move. That's all it is. And you'll be surprised. There's a lot of people, I'd, I'd say a lot of people, even when they see like chiros, osteopaths, physiotherapists, they get massages all the time. Even them, they're giving like band-aids. They're giving band-aids. They're not, they're not giving them real long-term relief. That's just like, I'm going to give you a massage release a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you're not working for to counter what caused that, it's always going to be around. And plus, you always feel better. You get people to come in, having a bad day, George. No more, it's going to move around a little bit, five minutes worth of moving, ten minutes. You can see it on their face. Their energy is up. You just feel better. Even when people are sitting down at their desk, I'm like, breathe through your nose, get your diaphragm working, you know, take some deep breaths. Oh, George, you know, like, I, I, don't, I don't think I've got a problem with that. I'm like, it's not a problem. We're just talking about moving better, being better, and getting optimal. Mm. Sort of thing. Sit a bit more upright at your desk. Get aware of it. Because once you're aware, all right, once, once you've been shown and you feel the effects of it, it's hard to go back to being how you were. Because you're going to know there's better for me, there's more for me there. I don't want to sit here. I'll sit here, but I lift my chest a bit. I'll, I'll take my belly in a bit. My feeling heaps better already. My core's a bit stronger. Yeah, that's mad. That leads you to a little bit more. That leads you to a little bit more. 
then you can start getting your body into like maximizing what movement is in the gym or sprints, runs, whatever you want it to be. Runs is a pretty big one as well. A lot of people running for health and weight loss and cardiovascular health. Pain in the lower back all the time, pain in the hips, pain in the knees. And you're like, there's so much going on. You're not warming up, you're not cooling down, and you're not even complementing those exercises with what they need. Everyone thinks it's just running it, it's just what my body does, but it's probably one of the most complex exercises you can do. Sprinting and running stuff like that's heavy, heavy duty, heavy impact on your joints, especially for someone who's already in pain. You're just compounding, compounding, compounding. So it's like a flat nail and you're just smacking the coffin. You're just smacking the coffin. Your body's just like, I don't want this shit. So move well, move often. It's probably the main thing I leave my clients with a lot. Get home. You know what? You're having a bad day. Get home. The kids drove your man. Get on that roller. Open your back up. Breathe. Move with the most simple stuff you can do at home. How you feel? Much better, actually, George. That's a good idea. I'll do that. Hmm. Simple thing. It's a simple thing. Listening to you, listening to your body, what it wants, what it needs, getting good advice from professionals like you, accepting the fact that you don't know it all, you know, you're good at what you're good at, you should stay in your lane and get better at that, and the things that you don't know, get advice from other people who that is their lane and, and what they are good at, and then that's how you excel, you know, you can't be good at everything, but um, you certainly can learn lots of things, so yeah, just, yeah. just taking that advice from the right people. The famous, the, uh, famous Les called. You don't ask for help because you're weak. You ask for help to stay strong. That's it. That's it. What was it? What was it? Go. Uh, what is it now? No, that's exactly what it was. What you said, yeah. Don't ask, ask for help not because you're weak, because you want to remain strong. That's the one. Oh, yeah, that's, it. that's it. We'll wrap it up right. there, George. We've had a lot of fun here, and I know you've got. I know we've got. Like there were a couple of things there. To be frank and transparent, all the audience, I skipped out on a couple of subjects there, just because. The, you know, we want to. There's, there's so many things to cover. We, we could talk about this for three hours, but people are getting lost in the episode. So I reckon we'll do a part two at some point, maybe in the coming weeks or months. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to do that. Now, I know, George, you spend most of your time on Instagram, so I'm going to drop that in the comments. George Akari on Instagram. And I'm going to get the spelling right because I got it wrong. It's George, normal spelling, A-double-C-A-R-I. So that's important. The common thing that people get wrong, I've got unbelievable spelling, A-C-A-A-double-K-A. I'm like, man, one day someone's just going to drop it on point. It's like one day, do you spell it this way? I'm like, this is the one. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, easy done. I'll send you through sure. with the um some links as well from that well, the podcast I was on today, listening to today. Yeah. And the info from them guys, you can share it on the on the page as well. Yeah, fantastic. I'll share yeah. it on this. Yeah, for sure, bro. Thanks for your time, George. I appreciate it. Talking about the gym. No, it's absolutely pleasure. Thank you all. Have everyone enjoy it. I'll catch up with you. Easy, sure. Jake. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay hungry, keep hustling.